I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this is the podcast that helps you with your relationship with fitness, food, your body and your mind. And that's very very topical for today's episode as I'm chatting to Dr. Rada Modgill, a GP, author of the book Know Your Power and broadcaster who you may know from a regular on the BBC, on Radio 1, to discuss how we can look after our mental well-being and how movement can play a role in that. I got to meet Dr. Rada by being on a panel together and I just really loved her insights on movement and, you know, its benefits on our mental well-being and how things like stillness are just as important. And so I think you're really going to just enjoy listening to Rada. She has such a calming voice. So I think you're really going to enjoy listening to her thoughts. Before we get into this week's episode though, however, I want to remind you we have one spot left on the Greece Train Happy Retreat happening in September. We'd love to have you. You can come from anywhere in the world, meet us in Greece for five nights on the island of Crete where we can enjoy intuitive movement workshops, delicious local food, you know, enjoy the sunshine and the sea and, you know, go on boat trips and just be with like-minded people And I have to say, I was hosting the UK Train Happy Retreat this weekend just past. And yeah, there's something so powerful about being in a room with people who just get it, who just are on the same page, who are working through similar stuff. Um, It felt like such a warm safe environment and I think that's hard to come by and often it can feel like you're really alone on this journey and so I'm so proud that the retreats can offer that sense of community um, that I think so many of us need so if you can't make Greece retreat do not worry I will be announcing the 2023 retreats soon if you want to stay up to date with all of that please go to my website tallyrye.co.uk scroll down on the homepage. you'll find a little box that says sign up to my newsletter pop your email address in there and make sure that's all approved and then you will be hearing from me and those people on my mailing list will be the first to hear about the 2023 retreats and of course before we get into today's episode it's time for train happy trooper of the week This week's train happy moment comes from Lauren and Lauren message to say, my train happy moment is that at last I finally started listening to my body rather than the disruptive thoughts in my mind. Last August, I had to stop training for a while as I sustained an IT band and rotator cuff injury. Once I was given the go ahead to train again in October, I pushed myself to do HIIT workouts five times a week to quote, make up for the time I had to take off that affected my perceived fitness levels. 
I was so exhausted and my shoulder and joints were constantly aching and causing me a lot of pain. But I pushed through, even though I'm a personal trainer and know better. In January, however, I started using the Train Happy Journal every day and it really opened my eyes to my actions. As soon as I finished my final day, I decided enough was enough and I had to stop punishing my body. I've been doing Pilates, yoga and dance because that's what I love and ever since I feel so happy and fulfilled with movement now. Lauren, that makes me so happy to read. I'm so glad the Train Happy Journal has really helped, you know, guide you through that process and help you figure out what you really enjoy and what makes you feel good Um, and, you know, work through some of those workout rules that it sounded like you had and, oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. So if you, firstly, well, if you want the Train Happy Journal, the 30-day journaling challenge that helps you reflect on your relationship with exercise and can help you work through different things. You don't need to be moving your body necessarily to do the journal. It's really about unpacking the mindset stuff. Um, You can find links to that in the show notes as well. And if you would also like to be featured as Train Happy Trooper of the Week, we would love to hear from you. You can... Well, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast and direct messages on there. And we'll get back to you with all the information of how you can be featured as our Train Happy Trooper of the Week. Okay, enough from me. Let's hear from the just lovely Dr. Rada Mordegil. Rada, welcome to the podcast. Or should I say Dr. Rada? <laughs> Which you are. Oh, call me Rada, please, I know there are some people who've got me in their phone contact list under D, but I'm always under R. Yes, I really <laughs> put me under R. Yeah. Definitely. Do you like the doctor title? Do you use it to your advantage at times in terms of like I don't know. Um, I don't know when you would use it to your advantage, like if you're staying in a hotel or something. You know, I, just I, like, I don't I'm actually. In fact, I do the opposite. I very, I try not to tell anyone I'm a doctor um, for a few reasons. One is that sometimes people then ask you about health problems. <laughs> which can, and if you're yes. in a space you can't leave, then it's a bit, yes, exactly. Yeah. If you're in a, in a taxi, you can't really get out, then you're a little bit of a captive. Um, but also I you know, like, like all of us, um, myself included, sometimes we have these views about certain things. And when people tell us something about themselves, even if we think we've got a very open mind, we'll automatically have labels and judgments and ideas about who that person is. So actually, I prefer to go mm. meet someone with no labels, if possible, and then just let them make their own mind up about who I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine like, even the past couple of years, being a doctor has been a bit hard because there's probably been a lot of um questions and projection and all sorts and yeah it's like you're a human being at the first and foremost you're yes, a human that being is true and actually that's also whenever I'm doing any sort of broadcasting work or any writing or anything like that I, I try to always come from a place of um I'm learning too on this journey and even when I'm a so-called expert on a, on a radio show for example I try to very much approach that with a sense of I'm learning too. What can I learn from everyone, all the callers, all the listeners? And actually, that's why I enjoy it because actually, every time I meet someone like you or or talk to someone or read about something for research, for writing or broadcasting, I'm I'm learning all the time. So I actually really enjoy it for that reason. I do think, and I wonder if this is your philosophy as a as a doctor, but I'm really interested in that kind of 
as a personal trainer if I'm or if I'm working with someone one-to-one almost rather than thinking like I'm the authority always and I know everything I try to really kind of I've learned over time anyway it didn't start like that but I've learned over time to really try and collaborate with the people I'm working with and you know try and empower them to really uh trust themselves to make good decisions for themselves and I wonder if that has kind of reflected in your practice as a doctor in terms of looking at more of that patient-centered approach where by you yeah you kind of listen and learn from them rather than feeling like right well I know exactly everything yeah. and you know because I, I think that's some of the intimidation with that people find going to the doctors is sometimes they feel like oh they're going to judge me or not really listen and you know you feel wrong for saying certain things have you found that there's been a shift that you've wanted to listen more to your patients and oh really absolutely learn and I think I mean from your work that's why you're so successful as well because you collaborate with your clients you collaborate with people and you're trying to learn about them so you're kind of can then tailor what you know to kind of basically empower what what they want to achieve which I think is always a success and yeah, I mean, in life generally, you know, even if we just think about things on a basic level, um, you know, if someone tells me what to do, I'm I'm less likely to go and do it as opposed to someone saying to me, yeah. okay, what's going on? What's happening? What do you want to do? Where do you want to get to? And then I'm much more likely to actually go and do it. So 100%. And I, I do remember actually when I was a teenager and I remember going in to see my doctor when I was probably about 13 years old and I had a, I had like a, a rash on on the skin on my chest and I was quite self-conscious it's quite kind of this time when you're quite self-conscious about your body mm. and and I went in um kind of by myself and I I remember that that particular doctor just being really dismissive and very much sort of like oh well, it's nothing you know why are you worrying about it why are you here basically mm. and I remember leaving that consultation thinking gosh I feel really small really like I shouldn't have been here I felt really awful about it and I'll never forget that because it just made me think you know every time I see somebody I sometimes I sometimes think about that because you know feeling heard feeling listened to feeling validated is the most important thing I think it's it's far more important actually sometimes than you know what what we actually do kind of medically because unless you build that foundation from the start of talking to someone you're not going to get anywhere so for me listening um really understanding and trying to trying to put yourself in that person's shoes is the most important thing not just as a doctor but actually in life with any relationship that we have and also with the relationship we have with ourselves because unless we listen mm. to what's going on inside ourselves and try to understand who we are and how we work we're not really going to get anywhere. So it's, it's probably the most important thing I'd say. I completely agree with you. And I'm interested in how you, because you obviously started working as a GP, my, <laughs> my research, um, but you've kind of shifted more into talking a lot more about kind of mental health and well-being and perhaps even a more slightly holistic approach beyond just the GP practice, um, trying to talk to people about you know taking care of themselves and do you feel that that has come off the back of that experience as a GP working with people listening to them and realizing that sometimes that like you say this is much a, a bigger issue than just purely a medical definitely. issue definitely and I think um 
I mean, I started off doing hospital medicine for about six, seven years and switched into general practice and then obviously worked in general practice. But then I I think right from an early age, I've always been someone who's been really interested in people. I love people. I love understanding understanding them hearing from them learning from them and I also love stories I'm actually quite childlike um I love stories I love imagination I love um being inquisitive and I'm quite curious so for me I think I kind of transitioned um not not just from the medicine but I I have always been interested in what makes people tick and what is life about and how can we get through life and probably my GP work and then my broadcasting work has just reiterated and reinforced the fact that our well-being and how we feel is related to everything around us so it's our relationships and our work and our bodies and our and our minds and our purpose and our joy so there's there's so much more to well-being than just the physical or the mental it's actually all of the things around us um and I, I, I think I'm probably also a bit of a, a problem solver. Um, and I like, I like almost kind of hacking into things and finding solutions. So I think I've been very much driven to talking about life in general and how we, how we can manage life, how we can get through challenges, how we can cope. Um, because at the end of the day, that's kind of what we're all facing. And um, every person's got their own experience in their lives they've got things that have worked for them so I almost just think well why are we all sitting in our silos independently trying to get through life why don't we just share all of this knowledge and help each other and pick out the bits that work for us and in the process actually then connect to each other a lot more which is basically what is going to bring us lots of happiness and well-being anyway so I'm I'm probably just a curious person it's it's probably the short answer to that question Yeah, and your curiosity is leading you to having really important conversations, I think, and really interesting conversations. And I suppose for context, for everyone listening, we met um, basically being on a panel, didn't we? Um, Doing another event for Happy For magazine. And we were talking about, and I did write down the title of the talk because I kept forgetting it. It was um, talking about moving for mood, self-care and connection. And I found that just a really interesting conversation. And I came away from it just thinking it was really cool to hear someone really speak about that connection um, for our well-being overall. And yeah, that kind of your take on self-care, I found really interesting. So I suppose as a GP, as a doctor, but also as a person, like what have you learned about self-care and what do you think might be even missing from the conversation? Such a good question. Yeah. So I think... um... I think the biggest thing I've learned about self-care is is it's all about the small sort of moment-to-moment choices um that comes off the back of understanding a bit more about who we are and how we tick but what I've really realized in my own life because you know I've been through difficult times as well is that it's in those sort of small moments where if you can just stop yourself if you're having a bit of a tough time and say right in this moment I could I've got I've got two options I've got more than I've got three options I could I could sit here and I could feel worse and I could, you know, just leave things as they are. Or I could get up. I could make myself a cup of tea. I could go out for a walk. I could ring somebody. I could have a bath. I could try to comfort myself. And each of those options has its own consequence or repercussion or outcome. And I think it's about, I think this sounds really simple, but for me, it's about kind of almost looking at those choices, getting into the habit of doing that, and then actually developing enough care and love for yourself 
to want to help yourself feel better and then practicing making the better choice for you in that moment and I think you know self-care is really just the accumulation of lots of tiny small moment-to-moment choices based in our understanding of ourselves and what helps us but also kind of garnished or sprinkled with that sense of actually caring about ourselves and, and wanting to look after ourselves which is a tough thing but I think those three elements are really really important in terms of self-care um and it's habit as well it's um it's taking a small step realizing that that's helped you praising yourself for that and then realizing you can do that again and you won't always get it right and that's fine but it's it's just about recognizing that you have that power and that control and I think that really gives you a sense of trust that whatever life brings you'll be okay in the end and I think when we're talking about intuitive movement which is obviously a big topic I talk about just being more intuitive and listening to your body and I think often you know I get in this sometimes I kind of want to rebel and like I have found myself in the past couple of years doing things that I felt in the moment was self-care but when I looked to the bigger picture actually in the moment it felt like self-care but long term it felt like self-sabotage and not quite understanding the difference um and it being you know we're in February now but even just the start of the new year I didn't want to make a big drastic new year new me thing but there was just a few things I wanted to change there was a small shift in my self-care like just a small thing I could do every day and just notice knock-on effect. And one of them being not waking up and scrolling on my phone (laughs) because this is an example. I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but in the moment, the morning scroll actually feels great for me. I love being in bed. I love kind of delaying getting up. I love you know, the longest time spent in bed, in my opinion. I totally agree with you, by the way. I totally totally agree with you. I love it. But I noticed that my whole day was then on the back foot. From that moment, I was slightly running late for my first thing in the day that I kind of had to get up for. And then from then on, it was I was then also hooked into my phone for the day. So then the rest of my day, I'd be like trying to work and then just, oh, I'll just pick up my phone and go on TikTok. And then half an hour later, if yes. anyone's ever been on that app, you know, <laughs> it's like drains <laughs> your time. So then, then you're like, oh my goodness, then I haven't done it. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. And what have I actually done today? I had this big to-do list and I've just been procrastinating. And then you get to the end of the day and you're kind of rushing into the evening, eating dinner late. And it all starts off with the, for me, it all starts off with the morning scroll. So I decided I still want my scroll. I'm just going to put it at the end of my work day, you know, between that, like five to 6 PM before I make dinner, if I, if I've done all my stuff, I can just scroll, scroll away and enjoy myself. But it's because I've got up and done the things. And then my anxiety has gone a lot lower because I'm not thinking, oh my goodness, I haven't done enough. And like, you know, then going on social media and thinking, oh, they've done so much today and I haven't done anything. And like, oh, (laughs) I'm panicking. I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) But it all, but it all came down to that little decision. And I think I had to almost not give myself too much um, disciplined routine for me to come around to it in my own way because I don't like being told what to do like you said <laughs> so people are going like you just need to do this and you just need to do that I don't yeah. like hearing that but what I did find with this is like oh actually I real I've realized now 
the bigger impact it has, the overall impact it has. And sometimes the things that feel like self-care in the moment aren't yes, true self-care. That is so true. And I just wonder if you've experienced this on a personal and oh, professional level. That is so true, too. Tally. And can I just say, I'm with you. I'm I I find mornings the hardest part of the day. I, I always have because I love mm. bed and I love sleep. And and um, for me, the mornings me are a too. bit of a moment where I wake up and I think, oh my gosh, my my mind my mind can be quite busy actually, and it can just jump to, oh my gosh, I've got all these things to do today. Can I do them? Well, I cope, you know, blah blah. And then it just goes into this kind of little bit of a spin. So mornings for me are the toughest time of the day. And I think um, I think it's really helpful to understand or start to notice in yourself. You know, that would be different for different people. When are those periods in the day that are toughest for you, and what kind of impact does that have? Because, like you say, if I can just count down from five down to one and then get out of bed and just start as soon as I have a shower and get out of bed, I'm fine because <laughs> I'm just oh yeah, me yeah, too, I'm just getting too. on with it. It's happening. Like it's not my mind projecting; it's just happening. So I've noticed that if I can do that, like you say, the rest of the day then actually falls into place a lot better. I feel better about myself. Um, but if I but if I don't manage, it all just goes a little bit messy and a little bit kind of chaotic and out of control. Having said that. I do think, you know, we can't always get things right and we can't always do things all the time. Mm. And actually, it's sometimes a really helpful reminder to have a chaotic day like that and not to be able to do what you what you know is good for you, because it actually reminds you of the fact that it's so important. So it's almost a little bit of like a reminder and a wake up call to say, hey, you know, just remember this is really important and I'm giving you this chaotic day because you forgot it. (laughs) It's like, okay, fine. So it's almost a bit like relearning or remembering, I suppose, what works for you. Um, But I do, I do think, I mean, for me, I know that um, exercise is just so helpful for me. I know that if I don't exercise for a while, then, you know, my stress levels will build up. It's not, it's not a great thing for me. So I know exercise is important. I know sleep is so important for me. And I know food is so important mm. for me and people, you know, those sort of magic ingredients really kind of keep me well. So I think almost working out what your ingredient list is, is, is really super helpful for everybody because then you can try to like put little elements of those ingredients into every single day or week, for example. Um, but I, I think like you, I, I've always wanted to be someone who is routine based I've always kind of been quite envious of people who are like, right, I get up at this time and I do that and I do that and I do that. And I've always wanted to be like them because a routine does give you some structure and some groundedness. But what I've realized is is that I don't work like that. So I'm a bit kind of all or nothing um, in some respects, but then in other ways, there are elements of routine in that. So like I was saying, exercise is a bit of routine that I need. Um, Sleep is a routine I need. So I keep those elements routine based but the rest of my day I am not a routine person so I've now accepted that about myself and I've let that go um because I've just got those little kind of foundation pieces which are my routine but not everything can be like that for me because if if I think it is and I plan it and I fail at it or I don't do it I get really cross with myself (laughs) So, so I think it's all about understanding how you tick and how you work It's funny what you said about the whole having a bit of a chaotic day because I absolutely had a chaotic day yesterday where I I went, it's my day off. I am just going to (laughs) scroll in bed and I did it. And then I was like, oh my goodness, the rest of the day has been chaos. Um, And then I went to bed, like even to the point like my whole bedtime was like Mm. an hour later. 
and it was this massive knock-on effect and then I woke up today and I said exactly what you said like okay I won't do that again because you see what happens there like right you're getting up this morning getting in the shower okay you can like that's what's happening and it was fine and it's been a better day not 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 100% great but better and so I totally see what you mean I also love the idea of the ingredient list and I think that's a lovely analogy for it a lovely kind of metaphor should I say for it this idea of like what what goes into you what's your ingredients because everyone Mm -hmm. is different and you know some people are like super morning people and seem to have achieved everything by 8am where some of us like to get (laughs) up at 8am and I'd put myself (laughs) in that category I'm really yeah definitely so yeah it has to be like a like a you know no comparison type yeah and I think you know I do think our society is so hot on templates templated lives uh conforming um Mm. being like everybody else kind of having these ideals about what uh, what a successful or a good in inverted commas person is and what that should look like and then we we then get those messages and we then try to adapt ourselves to fit in with that but actually then I think as we hopefully as we get older and we start to realize it's actually okay to be who we are, we start to then be like, well, what was all this nonsense about? Um, and you know, some of, some of that is some of that, I think we could get better at helping young, young people and children with at an early age. But I think some of that also needs to be, it does need mm-hmm. to be lived, I think, and experienced because it's only when you experience things that you really then learn and you really then want to change and kind of get away from that conformity and that pressure to be, to live a templated life, which, you know, what's a templated life I mean it's it doesn't exist um and it shouldn't exist we should all be doing the things like you say that are unique to us and actually bring us that kind of joy and purpose because we're all so incredibly different I want to talk about that exercise element and you know what you you know what exercise is for you because um I've heard you speak about you know how it is a really crucial part of your self-care um and it seems to be that for you and I don't want to put words in your mouth but just from our previous conversations I feel like we're really aligned in the fact that exercise is so much more than about weight or appearance but it's so about looking after your mind and your body and understanding that you know it's one of those small things that can lead to a big long-term impact um and when we do it for those reasons we know we can do it for the long term so I just wonder what your journey with exercise has been and how it has become a key self-care ingredient yeah absolutely so I I love exercise and it's for the very reason that you just said is that because it makes me feel better um mentally physically as well but but mentally and emotionally it makes me feel better so um I was always someone who loved sort of like team sports at school like netball and hockey and and any any game really any kind of team sport I absolutely loved and um I think that's because I loved people and I just like the whole kind of teamwork vibe and and being with people and like achieving something with with other people um but then I think at university sort of university then kind of got quite busy and then there are other sort of ideas you want to have about your life you start to meet people and kind of develop your own identity and all the rest of it and so then my studies got really busy and sort of doing medicine and so I kind of then it just kind of dropped that or it just kind of disappeared in the first few years of my um, career as a doctor Um, and then I think you know I started to realize actually that I needed some kind of outlets 
to help me deal with stress and, and with all the kind of pressures, not just from work, but just life in general. Um, and that's kind of when I remember doing my sort of final exams, actually. And it's funny because every moment I've been doing really big exams, I've fallen back into running so I was always a bit of a sprinter at school I was a bit like the 100 meters kind of person who would love to do like a short sprint and that would be it I was never into long distance running I kind of found it kind of quite difficult and quite hard actually in terms of keeping my mind away from thinking about the pain of running long distance Um, so I but then at these moments when I've had big exams or big stresses I've I've actually I actually realized that I I started to run and I, and I ran long distance and that was because I needed to just get away from the stress or from my mind or just to literally kind of literally run away from it actually. Um, so I started to rediscover exercise like that um, in my kind of professional life and as I developed my career as a doctor and then really rediscovered um, gym classes and exercising with other people. So I do a combination really of gym classes um uh, sometimes if I want to get away from everything and just get away from my mind, I, I love running and cycling and just going out there with my music and just getting away from everything. But I think the one thing, exercise, the brilliant thing about exercise is that you can just pick and choose the type of exercise for what you need in that moment. So if I want a bit of fun and connection, I'll go to my gym class. If I want to get away and literally be on my own and get away from my mind, I'll go running. If I want to feel a bit free, then I'll go cycling. Um, or you know, if I want to have a bit of fun, I'll go and bounce on my little mini trampoline. So it's just amazing because it gives you what you need according to how you're feeling. And I think that's one of the most precious things about exercise, actually. It. I think it, it does and I think you've clearly allowed yourself to explore it in that way and I think the sad part of people getting bogged down and thinking like I should be doing this high intensity workout because that's what I read in the magazine that burns the most calories means often you don't realize that exercise can be exactly that it can be a tool for different times and different feelings to be an outlet for that or a way to you know find that like social connection that you're looking for or find that headspace that you need and that clarity that you might need and I think when we get so bogged down in you know like numbers and everything else it can really detract from all of that and distract from that um I really want to hear your thoughts um, on kind of like a professional opinion, but on a personal level as well, about the idea of like social connection through classes and groups and teams, because this feels like something that is so important, almost more than ever, coming off the back of a couple, you know, years of isolation and quarantine and lockdown and all the rest of it, that we do have the option to be around people in an environment where we're moving our bodies. You know, how integral do you think that opportunity for social connection is right now? And then also for our long-term health, because I know it's one of the key factors in in living like a yes, long life. Absolutely. And you're totally right. So, you know, anything, anything that we do in a group or anything we do with other people has just an extra or multiple extra layers of benefits. So, you know, forget, forget just about the physical benefit and even the mental and emotional benefit from the exercise itself, you know, connecting with people, being with other people, bonding with them. We are, we're, we're social creatures. We get, you know, we get um, really positive feedback from being around people and having that validation and that joy and that sense of working together and that sense of 
being valued because you know if you don't turn up to a gym class or I don't go to my gym class I'll get a, a message from someone saying where are you are you okay that gives me that extra layer of benefit so there are so many different ways that we actually can you know exercise can be really enhanced by doing that as a group or, or together or having some kind of peer peer support and there's actually something now which is called social prescribing which is actually going on within the medical world where you know doctors now are able to to refer people on to what's called link workers who will sit and chat to them about what they're going through in their life and um, what's happening for them and can then actually prescribe or kind of signpost them on to community exercise groups or group classes depending on what that person actually wants um, and this is now being funded by the NHS in England and so there's actually real uh, evidence that's growing that is around connection and groups for exercise not just the activity but that really important connection because we know, you know chronic loneliness is actually just as bad for your health as mm. I think the, the stat is quoted um, is smoking 10 to 15 cigarettes a day you know so so loneliness wow. is a real thing it's not just something that you know is a is a is something we might want to avoid it's something we have to avoid for our physical mental and emotional well-being wow I really didn't know I knew it was kind of like a big impact but I didn't realize it would be that same impact on your health um and I think this is why yeah things like teams and you know running clubs or those sorts of things, classes, I teach spin classes, you know, I see friends come along as groups and they arrange to meet each other at the class. And I, you know, even I, after various, um, you know, sort of isolations and lockdowns and things like reveled in being around people. And in fact, at the beginning of the month, I did 10 days of isolation uh, at the beginning of January. And I hadn't, obviously we'd had a Christmas break and everything. So I f my first day out of isolation was back to teaching class. And normally I'm quite, I go in, I teach my class, I do my thing and I, I get kind of head home and shower. But I stood around chatting yes. for ages yes. to anyone and anyone who would talk to me because I, I was know, so deprived of talking to anyone. And I was like, and another thing, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> you know, just any excuse to chat to people because it was so nice to see people. And that was only after 10 days, you know, and I think there are people who've not had the opportunity to be around others. And so for, for those people who may be feeling lonely or feeling isolated, or maybe they've moved to a new town or a new place and they want to integrate themselves in a community, do you think things like classes and, and clubs and things can be, you know, would oh, be definitely. encouraged? And I, think that's, I think that's one of the best ways of actually um, helping combat loneliness because, you know, there's a big stigma around loneliness. You know, people don't like to say they're lonely um, you know, there's a there's a big mm. judgment about that. There's almost there's the judgment or this idea of, well, uh, you know, I can't be a nice person if I'm lonely because it means that no one wants to spend time with me. Or you know, there are lots of judgments and stigma, and so actually, it's really difficult for people to to say it. And also, if you have been lonely for a while, you do get out of the habit and the kind of practice of of socially connecting with people, of, of communicating, of being around people. It's mm. it's the thing where you, you know, you the more you practice, the better you get at it. So there's a there's a risk of that kind of lack of confidence initially and actually group classes activities you know art drama music exercise whatever it is gardening that's a way in that's an easy organic non-forced way of being in a room or being in a place with other people and that activity is 
that link to start that conversation to start that person connecting so it's not like we're gonna you're sitting in a room and you, you're like I'm lonely other person's like I'm lonely too let's talk about how lonely we've been or let's let's try to find something common you've already got that common thread through that activity so that's what's so yeah. beautiful about it and it, I think it's one of the most important things we can do yes I agree and I I hope there's you know people are aware of all the different opportunities there are out there because there's a different thing for everyone and I think one of the things I like to really remind people is that like all movement counts it doesn't have to always be like in the setting of a gym it could be a sports team it could be a dance class it could be a gardening club it could be so many different things and you know it has to suit you as an individual and your lifestyle as to what's gonna exactly. actually stick it could even be volunteering you know like I was thinking about I mean I went to go and help yeah. one of my friends kind of clear out their their loft you know and take things to the recycling place and so like painting DIY like all of these things they're physical things they're, they're things where you use your body you get hungry mm. you feel good that you've moved and you've so there are lots of like you said there's so many different ways that we can use our, our bodies and our our bodies really are I think an instrument to help us with our minds and our emotions I really do believe that and I think you know we they're they're an amazing resource our bodies to help us actually process all kinds of things that we mentally and emotionally go through um so I would just encourage everyone to whatever that looks like for you is just is to use their body in whatever way suits them really to help them do that and we store so much of our emotion in our bodies you know they're not I, I just every time someone kind of pointed out to me like a couple of years ago and every time I think about it I'm like well yeah feelings are called feelings they're meant to be felt like yes. physically felt and I think we think feeling is like this very logical thought process and it's not there is a physicality mm. to it and yet we kind of think the neck from the neck down it's like a completely mm. other thing and that we're so disconnected but they're one of the same you know we have to physically yeah, process that is such it. a good point and you're right I think we do we talk about feelings as though they're kind of ethereal like they're wispy things that kind of come mm. and go and we can't really pin them down and don't get me wrong feelings do feel like that they, they they do come and go but they're also very tangible and they're also very real and 3d and they do become 3d in our bodies so you're absolutely right you know when you think about you know um anxiety and that kind of short breathing a short shallow breathing or stress you know shoulders will get tight and necks will get tight and back muscles will get tight so you know our bodies our bodies do store emotions if we don't process them and I think you know I've, I've seen I'm seeing a lot of people understandably suddenly kind of having to deal with the trauma that they've been through over the last two years of the pandemic mm. and the emotional trauma of what's happened and I'm really really keen on the fact that we keep talking about what has happened because these kind of big traumas will show themselves in some way shape or form and we have to allow people to have the space and the time and to validate the fact that people are, are able and and are allowed in inverted commas to feel these things ongoing for many years and I think we can't there's a danger of us moving on too quickly from that conversation I agree I I I feel in some ways personally I've probably got off really lightly after the last couple of years but I know that surely your colleagues anyone sort of working in the NHS I think has dealt with more than their fair share plus people if you've been a patient at this time I think that's been really challenging if you've lost someone if you've 
you know, gone through um, financial struggles or, you know, there's such a huge kind of impact that it's had to all aspects of our life, I think, you know, strains on relationships, you know, rise, rise in domestic violence, you know, so many aspects implement our mental health. And I, I don't want to get into the whole conversation of like, what's, what's worse, <laughs> a pandemic or the impact on us as a society. But I think we can't deny that there has been such a great impact in terms of our collective mental health. Um, how do you feel like we can you know, what, what do you feel we should be doing to make sure we're addressing that, that we're not just brushing past and, and just going, right, that was it in a very British sort of, okay, we did it. Let's go. Let's keep move, keep looking forward. You know, don't look back. How do we mm. deal with all yeah, of that? That's such a good question. And uh, so many different aspects of that I, I think, you know, I think one of them is, is to keep talking about it. Um, and I know that sounds really obvious and really simple, but it is the, I think it's the most important thing because actually if, if people, it's the same with with anything to do with, with, you know, bereavement or grief or mental health or anything that's, that's kind of, we don't want to talk about because it's difficult or it's upsetting. That means we actually need to talk about it more. So we need to keep talking about the fact that Mm. people have been through, through traumatic experiences in, in all kinds of way. We need to keep allowing people to know that they're not on their own because when we stop talking about it as a society individuals if they're feeling it they then think it's only me there's something wrong with me then they then hide it even more and then it gets buried even more and then it becomes a bigger problem so we need to talk about it to give permission and to say to people and to validate their feelings to say look it's okay to feel this way you know this is happening to lots of people so to to help them not feel like they're so alone in that I think and then it's it's about I think the most powerful way to do that is to be sharing people's stories. You know, um, stories are powerful. We relate through stories. We can understand stories. We can see a bit of ourselves and other people's stories. Um, and so by sharing stories of what's happened to us to other people by being open about that as much as we're comfortable with, I think is really powerful. And it, and stories connect us. You know, when we feel we can see a bit of ourselves in that other person's story we then have empathy for them and then we connect and then we build stronger communities and then we're more resilient. So some of those elements are there, obviously resources for supporting people practically, obviously with, mm. with mental, emotional, physical wellbeing is really important. Um, but I think also to learn our lessons where we can from what's, from what's happened or what's happened to all of us. And by that, I mean, you know, if this thing had to happen, which obviously it has, and it did, um, I always am determined to try through any tough period to get something from that, to get something valuable. If I had to go through and do something tough, what can I take from it? What can I learn? Um, so I can benefit from that really tough time. And I think those, those lessons of kindness and community and talking about what really matters and remembering about nature and art and music and, and all, and remembering that we are, you know, a world and we're all connected and we all have responsibility to each other. These are the kind of lessons that I think we need to then not forget and we need to take forward into changing something about how our world works and how we work as as a community as well, really. I agree. I think we need to, we need to, I think there was a point as well, especially where we kind of just saw the humanness, whether it be in our politicians, in our leaders, mm. in you know, the community around us, we kind of realize like, oh, everyone here 
there felt like at some point it was a slight like it was a bit of a leveler like no one was immune or free from you know potentially getting a virus and you know that was a universal truth and you realize like oh we are just all human beings and I think sometimes we need to remember that and see that that humanity that in others and, and I actually and love what you just that. said there about the humanness of people because actually we have this mm. idea that uh, leaders or people in authority in inverted commas um you know need to look and act a certain way but I actually think the best leaders are the leaders who show their humanness um when it's appropriate and when it's mm. real because actually people people then listen you know good leadership is actually about showing that as alongside all of the other qualities that a leader should have I actually think you know people being able to relate and trust their leaders is is one of the most important things and that comes through like you say showing that bit of humanity that they are a person too and that you know they they care Mm. um because they're they're one of they're one of us they're one of everybody Mm. yes yes I also wanted to talk about and I feel this this leads quite nicely on because you well, once again, in this this kind of um, panel discussion we had, I remember you talking about stillness, the need for kind of stillness and quiet. And this is something I struggle with. I struggle to be, I know it's important. I know I need to work on it. And I just feel like there were points this year when there were, for some people, not everyone, depending on everyone's individual situation, whether they had children or homeschooling and all the rest of it, but for some people, there was this stillness that was like a forced in stillness, forced stillness. But how can we potentially bring opportunity? You know, I think one of the things I'm taking forward is like, we can't keep the pace we had necessarily before. So how do we find those pockets of stillness? And why is it important to just be sometimes? And what are, how is that? really important for for that 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 well-being that we've been talking about a really good question I think it's so important to have stillness for a few reasons one being that our brains are just not designed to have this level of mental stimulation all the time and our bodies are not designed to be Mm. productive they're not machines you know we're not made to be like that and uh, you know even machines break and uh, and you know if we continue at this pace of mental stimulation and physical demand, um, then you know we end up breaking ourselves because we we just can't sustain it. It's just not not what we're designed to do. So I think that's the first thing. I also think mm. though stillness is really important for um, the very reason that we need to understand and get to know who we are. Um, if we're constantly got constant noise in our in our ears or you know we're constantly busy we don't stop we don't look around as Ferris Bueller might say <laughs> don't stop and look around at life and we miss it and we miss who we are we miss um we miss understanding how we tick how we work what's good for us where we want to go uh, where our, our lives are now and where we'd like them to be um and actually if the relationships around us and friendships around us are actually nurturing us or not and so we can just get into this whole spin of being on an escalator or a robotic kind of frame of mind where we're just doing, but we don't even know what we're doing and why we're doing it and if it's even good for us. So I think stillness is so important to actually understand and get in touch with who we are and what we want. Um, and that's the basis of well-being. And I think to, to your second point about how do we achieve that, 
I think it's about first of all understanding and realizing that's a priority um and what happens if we don't get still so if something's hard or difficult to do I always think well okay it's hard but if I don't do it what are the repercussions of not doing it like it's hard to do but what if I don't do it then what's going to happen to me so realizing the priority of it um I think boundaries are so important so boundaries around work life relationships when you need to say no is is a really good key to actually finding more stillness more time for stillness because we mm-hmm. just say yes all the time uh, and what the in terms of those ingredients we were talking about before um I've now learned to say no to things if they're going to take away the those ingredients for me because I know that I need to go to my gym class to stay well so if someone says hey I mean occasionally I will but if someone's if, I, if there's going to be something that's always going to take me away from exercise then I say no because I, I know I need it um, so it's about boundaries, about prioritization. And I think it's also then about forming a habit and then actually realizing that when you do those things, you feel better. And once you realize that link, you then want to do it more and then it becomes a habit and then it's easier for us to then maintain basically going forward. Yeah, it comes back to those ingredients. It does, doesn't it? And and perhaps stillness is one of your ingredients. You know, that's that's really helpful to know. Rada, we are running out of time. So I'm going to have to ask you, what has been your most recent train happy moment? I love this question. So actually, it was yesterday. Um, and I had a choice, talking about choices, I had a choice um, between, in the middle of my day, between finishing off some work uh, before my, my, my shift in A&E or going for a run. And I chose to go for a run, even though my mind was saying, no, 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 do the work and you'll get your ticks up off your list and you won't have to do it later. Um, my body was saying, no, go for a run. So I put on my music. Um, I was running outside. I had, I had some beautiful track by Florence the Machine on. <laughs> and it was literally just running, looking up to the sky, seeing a beautiful bird that almost was aligned with that very lyric or that very moment in that song and just feeling totally free and totally just right there in that moment with nothing else bothering me. And that was the most beautiful, some of those moments for me, running with music out in nature, they just give me those best kind of moments. So that that's mine from yesterday. It almost sounds like you had a bit, it was like a music video. <laughs> I'm not sure quite if anyone else would want to see that music video, but I definitely, definitely <laughs> felt it was something really magical. And I was re- really pleased that I'd made that choice to go out for a run instead of doing my work my follow-up question was going to be do you ever just pretend you're in a music video all on your the run time. I feel like <laughs> I, would. I do that all the yeah. time not just on on my runs but actually even walking around you know London on the tube or something or I, I if I have music in I almost sometimes imagine I'm in a film or a music video and you know yeah uh, yeah something's playing out and I'm a character in it and and, and that's also a really good it's like the school. Yes, exactly. Of your That's life. also a really good way to get still and to have a little moment of just imagination, just to get away yeah. from it all. But I, 100%, I do that, Tally. So I think uh, no shame in admitting that. <laughs> I agree. I I have always felt a bit yes, like main character exactly. energy. I think they call it. Isn't it? You feel like you're the main exactly. character in your own movie with your, <laughs> your music. Oh, I've I feel like we could have chat for so long there's so many things we could have spoken about today but we've run out of time so Rada where can people hear more from you read more of your work I know you have your book um 
please plug away and let everyone know where they can and oh, well, thank you for having me on today so yes I've written my first book on my own so it's called know your own power and it's all about how to get through life's challenges when everything basically falls apart so that's that was out about a month ago um I also write in the eye newspaper every weekend about well-being and, and health and how to stay well um I've got a podcast which is called things I forgot were good for me which we're hoping to have you on tally very soon um and you can catch me on twitter well we didn't even get into that whole the whole conversation around the podcast is kind of like getting back to that childhood self. Um, and I feel like movement is one of those things that we forget from childhood and then it becomes exercise. And then it's like, oh, actually, you need to get back to the childlike Absolutely. qualities. But we'll have to discuss Absolutely. that in Tally, your you're on next. You're on next. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, honestly, for having me. It's been honestly such a lovely chat. I could have chatted to you for, for hours, but thank you so much for having me on likewise it's been a pleasure thank you and that is it for this week's episode of the train happy podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you took something away from this episode and if you did please let me know by sending feedback you can find us on instagram at train happy podcast or even better it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening as it really really helps to support and boost the train happy message And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.